I want to talk a little bit this morning about joy. Joy is sometimes inexplicable. You just can't explain why you feel so joyful. And that joy, you know, this is kind of the the season of joy. Uh, That joy that necessarily we can't understand sometimes just kind of springs up in us like a a fountain, like a spring-fed you know, just a spring just popping up and there's just, just water. It's like water gushing up in us. And, and sometimes for some of you, joy shows itself in tears. When you really are just filled to the brim with joy, you cry and then people wonder what's wrong with you. But that's just, just your way. Uh, for some of you, there's just this real sense when you're filled with joy, there's this real sense of, of peace, of contentment. And for others, your joy is expressed in laughter. And some of you, it's just funny listening to, listening to you laugh. But, but that's just the way you express your joy. As we near Christmas, and Christmas is, if you don't realize this, it's just, it's coming really, really close, right? Okay, it's, it's on us. We're in the season, but Christmas Day is, is just around the corner for us. But at Christmas time, we talk a lot about joy. As a matter of fact, we sing about it. We sang about it this morning. Joy to the world. You get Christmas cards that are wishing you a joyous Christmas season. You hear laughter of children. You hear laughter of adults as you gather for for parties. But here's the thing about this kind of joy. This kind of joy can be explained. What we just saw on the screen, we have no idea why Donkey brought that kid so much joy. But for us, we know why we have joy this Christmas season. We know what it is that we celebrate this Christmas season. And we can have that joy, and many of you are experiencing that joy, even though your circumstances may not be all that great. Even when things around you are awful, still somehow you found this joy. Unexplainable to the rest of the world, but you know the answer. This morning, we want to take a few moments and look back in the Old Testament at the prophet Isaiah. It's in the ninth chapter. We were actually there last week, but we're going to look a little more at it today. It's Isaiah chapter 9. We're going to look at verses 1 through 7. If you've got your Bibles, you can turn back there. Uh, just If you get to the Psalms, which is in the middle, just keep going to the right. You'll, get, you'll run into it. Um, it's a fairly good-sized book, so you should be able to find it. Isaiah chapter 9, we're going to look at verses 1 to 7. If you don't have that, I think it's printed on your handout. We'll also have it up here on the screen for you. But uh, hear the word of the Lord in Isaiah chapter 9, verses 1 through 7. In the midst of Isaiah's prophecy, he continues, Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who are in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he will honor Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the days of Midian's defeat, you've shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning will be fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. 
He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Father, help us to understand and apply this word in our lives. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. We read a portion of that last week, and quite honestly, there's no way to do these seven verses justice this morning. Uh, it is something that would be good for you to read and meditate on as you go through now and, and into the Christmas season. There's just so much in here. But what I do want you to understand this morning, to help us to understand these verses, is the circumstances in which they were spoken and written down. This is really, really important. If we're going to understand these verses, then we really need to understand the times in which they were spoken. This was not a happy time. This was not a good time, neither in the northern kingdom of Israel or in the southern kingdom of Judah. The Assyrian Empire, if you remember when we talked back about Jonah and Nineveh, Nineveh, the head of the Assyrian Empire at various times during that, uh, during that empire, uh, Assyria was not a great place. Those were some vicious people over there. Uh, Jonah went and preached, and there was a revival there in that city of Nineveh uh, that evidently did not spread to the rest of the empire. And in fact, was about uh, in about 30 years, and really, you, you've got less than a generation between the time of that revival in Nineveh and the time uh, that Isaiah is, is referring to right now. And here's what's happening. They, they have a, a new leader. A new regime has come into power. Uh, Tiglath-Pileser III's army was, was marching, was moving to the west and moving to the south and really creating all kinds of devastation. They were an unstoppable army. Uh, they had iron chariots. They, I mean, they really were uh, the pinnacle. They were the superpower at that time. And, and they came sweeping in, and they swept up the Sea of Galilee, swept up to the northern region uh, around the, the Sea of Galilee, and they were really pressing in now on the northern kingdom of Israel and even threatening and would soon threaten the southern kingdom of Judah. And this is the time in which Isaiah speaks and writes. And this is important for us to understand because there's a lot of triumph in his words. A lot of victory in his words, a lot of hope in his words, but he was speaking those words of hope in a time of hopelessness, in a time where things weren't going well, and his words would have seemed out of sync, out of whack with the circumstances of the time. You would think that Isaiah would instead be talking about impending doom, disaster, bloodshed. It's all coming your way. Get ready. Hunker down. Build your bunker. Get in your year's supply of, of dried foods, whatever you need to do to get ready because the enemy's coming and things are going to get really, 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 really bad. But that is not what we read here in this portion of Isaiah's prophecy. Although in other places he does talk about that, here there is hope into this gloomy situation, this is what he says. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. Isaiah is talking about a time yet to come. However, listen, he's speaking of it as if it's already happened. 
Did you notice that? He's, he's talking about it in a way it's already happened. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. It's, that's something that's already taken place. Now you go, well, how in the world th- does that work? Here's the reason it works. Because you and I live in this little sliver of time. This little sliver of time. This is all we live in. And for us, this is all we know. Our lives are literally governed by our clocks. How often do we check for the time to know where we are in relation to that day? And we check the calendar to know where we are in relation to that month and that year. And we celebrate birthdays in relation to know where we are in, in, in the relationship to our entire lives. But, but quite honestly, for God, He is outside of time. This is, why, this is why prophecy is real, because God is outside of time. And so when he steps in and he speaks to Isaiah, he can show Isaiah, reveal things to Isaiah that have not happened yet. And yet Isaiah, having been informed by God that it is a reality, speaks as if it's something that's already taken place. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light, those Living in the land of deep darkness, on them a light has dawned. And he goes on. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. Let me tell you something that was happening right now. The nation was decreasing. They were being overwhelmed. They were being pressed in. They were being threatened. And yet you have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest. Listen, we don't know too much about this because we don't live in this agricultural time, but some of you are old enough to know that when the harvest came in, that, those were good times. That's why Thanksgiving is in November. The harvest is coming in, and, and, and that's why communities will have these festivals based on their what kind of produce they have because that was the time that they celebrated when the harvest came in. I noticed this. This is really... I grew up in, in tobacco country when I was growing up. It's no longer that now. Most places are growing cotton rather than tobacco there in North Carolina. But you, I could always tell. I went to a little golf course called Robertsonville Country Club. Uh, a lot of farmers, um, local businessmen, they, uh, they, they played golf there, usually on maybe Wednesday afternoons and Saturdays. But that was a place that I played, I played golf. When I played golf, that's where I would go to play golf. And this, it, it was, it was kind of weird. You could always tell when the harvest had come in, when the money was coming in from selling tobacco, and when the money was getting into the businesses, you could always tell. And here's how you could tell. People started leaving tees on the tee box. Now, if you don't know anything about golf, when you go hit a golf ball, you, from, the, from the, the first hit you know, on that particular hole, you tee it up. You a little wooden tee, you stick it in the ground. Now a lot of them are plastic, but... Stick the wooden tee in the ground, and, and, and you'd hit it. And, and then, if it doesn't break, you can pick it up. You can reuse it as often as you want to reuse it. Well, when times were good, they didn't bother to bend over to pick up the tees. When times were lean, they'd pick them up. Matter of fact, they'd use one where the tip was broken off, or whatever they needed to do. But you didn't find many tees. So in harvest time, that's when the joy is coming because that's when the income's coming in. That's when the fruit of our labors is, is being enjoyed. So you rejoiced 
as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. When you're dividing the plunder, the battle's over and you've won. Because now you're going in and you're going, okay, you get this, you get this, you get this, and you take what the enemy had. Now, it is into this world that they were living in, filled with fear and uncertainty. It is in the midst of doom and darkness that the Lord is showing to Isaiah something beyond the immediate, something beyond that moment. Listen to what he says. For unto us a child is born. To us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called wonderful counselor mighty god everlasting father prince of peace now what child is he talking about is isaiah talking about uh the king of israel's child or the king of judah's child right now is that is that is that what he's talking about well if so the prophecy failed because this child didn't end up leading to this kind of rejoicing and this kind of light that it It's just been a false prophecy at that point. And when we read in the prophecy that he is called mighty God and everlasting father, it leads us to one conclusion. He must be talking about the Messiah. He cannot be talking about any natural born child, not the way we think of it. Because even though your kid was the most beautiful, most perfect most wonderful child to ever existed, even though that's the case, listen, they weren't mighty God and they weren't everlasting Father. How could Isaiah even use those words of a human baby to be born? That is completely out of the realm of thinking. You and I can look at this and we know why. We know who Jesus was. We know who he is. But for Isaiah to even hear those words from God, get that communication from God and write it down, he must have been thinking, what in the world was I thinking when God said this? This doesn't make sense. It doesn't fit with my understanding of of children and of who God is and, and what man is. We fast forward about 750 years. We're in a field a hillside outside the city of Bethlehem. And into the normalcy of their night with the sheep, something completely unnormal, abnormal, supernatural happens. An angel shows up and and that darkness of night is now lit up with the glory of God. And in Luke chapter 2 we read, But the angel who showed up to the shepherds said to them, Do not be afraid, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord, and this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. This is what Isaiah saw. 750 years before the birth of Jesus, God gave to Isaiah a glimpse of a child who would come, who would be no ordinary child. 
And his coming would bring light. John tells us in him was light. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And because he came, there would be joy. Great joy. Jesus came as Emmanuel, which means God with us. And he came to us as one of us to live with us and to die for us so that we might be one with him. We might be reconciled to God through him. Our joy is not found in in the circumstances around us, whether they're good or bad. Our joy is anchored in the unchanging, remarkable, miraculous truth that Jesus, the Son of God, was born in Bethlehem, fulfilling the promise of God to send a forever king. And he will sit on David's throne forever, for all generations. This is what Isaiah saw, that he could not even comprehend As he wrote it down, this was Isaiah's vision. And shepherds got to see it. And when they came away, they came away rejoicing. And some of you this season are going through some really challenging times. You've got some family struggles. Some of you have financial challenges. Some of you got marriage issues that you're dealing with. Some of you are dealing with illnesses. Some with pain. Some with loss. We could actually make quite a list, couldn't we? Some of you are not having the Christmas season that you expected that you would have. It's a lot different. And you may be asking yourself this morning, Can there still be joy? Regardless of what's going on in my life, can there still be joy? And here's the truth. The truth is this. Lasting joy does not come from the abundance of possessions or from favorable circumstances. That is not where lasting joy comes from. You can get get moments of joy. I don't know how old the little kid was in the video. I I don't know how long ago that was. But I can almost guarantee you this, were you to show that child at three years old, at five years old, at seven years old, at 10 years old, at 12 years old, if you'd show that child that donkey card now, it would not get you the same reaction. That joy was temporary. It was for the moment. And you have for the moment kind of joy in your life. That new car smell, that's joy for the moment. Give me, I guarantee you, it goes away. Sometimes for me, it's that new book smell. I love, you know, book, and it, but it goes away. Those things that we think are going to bring us long-lasting happiness, it's just a flash, just, just a moment. In other words, don't believe the commercials. We get flashes of joy from those things, but lasting joy comes from a deeper source, and that source is the Holy Spirit. In fact, joy is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. What the Holy Spirit is trying to do in us is to produce love, joy, 
peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Many of the things that we celebrate right here in this Advent season. It's what the Holy Spirit is doing in us and welling up in us like a, like a spring, like a, like a fountain coming up in us. Lasting joy is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. And, and it's what God's trying to do in you. Regardless of what your circumstances are, regardless of the pressures on you, regardless of the disappointments of life. Listen, when you know, when you know that you are saved, that you're You have a home in heaven that you are secure. When you know that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life and will not be erased. When you have a peace that is holding on to you even when everything in life is falling apart. When you know that he who began a good work in you will carry it on until the day of Christ Jesus. When you know these things. then there will be a joy within you that nothing in life can touch. That nothing can take it away. That cannot even be tarnished. This morning, I don't have an angel to appear to you. But I'm here to tell you there is good news of great joy. That will be for all people. For about 2,000 years ago, in the city of David, a Savior was born to you. And he is Christ, the Messiah, the Lord. And you can't go to a stable now in Bethlehem and find that baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and, and lying in a manger. presence of Jesus is no less real here in this place this morning than it was in that stable 2,000 years ago. And the joy that was promised then is the joy that is promised now. If you need that kind of joy, real Christmas joy in your life, it only comes through faith in Jesus Christ and the certainty that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Do you know that this morning? Earlier this morning at the jail, had the opportunity to extend that gift to some who were there. We had two who received the gift. Listen, you need to know that happens almost every week. The gift is offered and the gift is received. Well, the gift is offered to you this morning. Will you receive it? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are grateful for your word as it challenges us, as it speaks to us. We thank you for its truth. We thank you for its power. And now, Lord, we ask that you would move in the hearts of those who need your Son as Savior to draw them to you. Lord, break down whatever barrier might keep them away. Let the cords of love with which you draw them to yourself, Lord, let them sense it this morning. 
as they come to lay down their lives in order to take up the life you have for them, as they come to trade temporary happiness for lasting joy. Lord, you call. Let those who need to hear it hear your voice and respond. Lord, for those who've already answered the call, Lord, I pray that they would hear a different call, a call to spread that joy, not to hold it inside. Lord, let us be peacemakers and joy bringers. Let us speak words that bring hope and help and life. And Lord, shine in us a joy that is so bright that the world will desperately want the Savior we know. For this is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.